You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ and others, and grows together in faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the day of Pentecost, May 23, 2021, by Ashley Boeuf Lang, Associate for Youth at St. Thomas. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, when the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I'm going to him who has sent me. Yet none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me about righteousness, because I am going to the Father, and you will see me no longer, about judgment, because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot hear them, bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, my friends, here we are. Pentecost Sunday, the day in which we adorn ourselves in bright red and celebrate the birth of the church as we recall its fiery origins as recorded in the book of Acts. It's hard to believe that a year ago today I stood here, well, not here, there actually, in a makeshift pulpit preaching a Pentecost sermon to an iPhone. I cannot tell you, friends, what a gift and relief it is to be preaching not only to faces here, but also to those of you at home who I can reach through a camera that doesn't rely on 4G data or, worse yet, my own feigned confidence in App Store workarounds and increasingly fickle cables. Indeed, in many ways, unlike last year, as I stand before you today, there are glimmers of hope beginning to spring forth after a year that's given so much despair. It feels a little bit more honest 
and true, at least, to greet this day as being one worth celebrating. And a day of celebrating it was. Our lesson today begins in the book of Acts with a feast. Jews from all over have descended upon Jerusalem to mark the 50 days since Passover. By the way, somebody pre please give Christine Oshiki a high five for all those pronunciations. You did great. There's a clamor about the town as music fills the streets and farmers from all over are parading into town carrying with them abundance there to celebrate the first fruits of a harvest. The streets are flooded with sights and sounds and smells. You can smell that bread made with freshly called wheat, the figs, the pomegranates, the olives, wine, new wine made of the finest grapes. I know I run the risk of ruffling some feathers here, namely my boss, but I'm not sure that Mardi Gras would come close to what this was back in the day. It was a party. <laughs> and yet, in the midst of all that clamor and chaos, we find instead our disciples sitting a little bit dumbstruck, quiet, huddled together in a dim lit room, wondering what in the world could possibly be next. Clearly the party hasn't found its way to the upper room, not yet at least. You see, there's plenty of cause for celebration spilling out in the streets of Jerusalem, but our disciples are not too keen to mark the festivities. I mean, honestly, after the year they've had, who could blame them? Allow me to refresh our memories for a second here. And this isn't Netflix, so you cannot skip this part. It all began, of course, with Jesus calling the disciples into ministry alongside him. Fishermen, no more. These guys are going to fish for people. Soon enough, then commences a wild and glorious tenure of witnessing miracles and soaking in teachings. Some time passes and we get to where our gospel lesson picked up today, where one night Jesus is sitting with his disciples gathered around eating dinner, as they often do. Things seem fairly normal until they're not. Jesus alive and well before them at the table, starts to say some really strange things. Like, I'm going to the Father, and you will see me no longer. Or, it is to your advantage that I go away. And as if it could quell the confusion or anxiety coming about from his words, he then begins to speak of this advocate, someone who's going to come alongside them and act as a guide. Okay, Jesus. You're, you're here. You're good, right? Well, a bit more time passes, and those strange things that Jesus has been saying over the past few weeks are beginning to draw some real concern as context begins to reveal itself. As preparations are underway for the Passover meal, Jesus makes his way into Jerusalem. A triumphal entry is quickly marked by a devastating turn of events as Jesus is sentenced to death on a cross. A few days later, he dies on that cross. 
the disciples reel at the horror of watching their teacher and friend having been beaten and killed right before their eyes. But then, a few days later, hooray! Resurrection! He's back! Yay! All good things. Oh, well, and he sticks around for a little while. You know, Thomas does a little bit of doubting, uh, sticks his hands in Jesus' side. It's a little, it gets a little weird. And then Jesus leaves once again and for all. Like I've said, they've had quite the year. Friends, in the earlier description of the festival with all its noise and smells and crowds, if that description left you feeling frustrated or longing for what we've missed in the past year, if instead you found it easier to picture yourself in this part of the story, the part where a bunch of people are sitting around just trying to make sense of the whirlwind that's taken place, I assure you, you're not alone. Even though there is indeed plenty of cause for celebration, it's hard to know how to party when it feels like we too have been through the ringer. I began today by telling you how much easier it was for me this year and is for me this year to lean into that celebratory nature of this holy day. And for the most part, that's true. But it is also true that as I was writing this sermon, I couldn't help but find myself oscillating between hope and grief as I thought about this same time last year. As I thought about the uncertainty that I, that so many of us felt as that world began to shut down around us, as we watched COVID infections reach record levels in hospitals exceed capacity. I couldn't help but be pulled from the party and back into that upper room as I thought about the losses so many of us have faced this past year and all the grief that has been endured. And friends, quite frankly, I couldn't help but be dragged right back to the bed on which I sat this time last year, Bible open to the lectionary text as I prepared myself to preach a Pentecost sermon, crying into the keyboard, crying to God, wondering how the hell I was supposed to preach a message of Holy Spirit breath a mere six days after George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man with so much life left to live was violently suffocated to death. I don't blame those disciples for not knowing how to celebrate. It's hard to know where to start when you're standing in a valley full of dry bones. But of course you know where this is going, don't you? You know that this isn't the end of the story. Suddenly, and without warning, the Holy Spirit rushes up and through those stairs, bursting into the room. Quiet gives way to chaos and scents of bread and figs and pomegranate fill the room. Before we can so much as blink, there's hardly a room at all. 
It's as if all the walls have disappeared at once and all together. In a mysterious and miraculous turn of events, those party poopers are now the life of the party, accused themselves of having too much fun. Drunk on new wine, a few onlookers remark. But it's not that. It's something bigger, something wilder, something unfettered by custom or composure or class. It's written that in that moment, divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, that a tongue rested on each of them, and all were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, just as the Spirit gave them the ability it serves us here to recall, just as the individuals in attendance that day would have, the events that took place ago, long ago in Genesis, back at the Tower of Babel. Genesis 11:8-9 writes, So the Lord scattered them abroad, there from all over the face of the earth, and it was called Babel, because it was there that the Lord confused the language of all the earth. And from there, the Lord scattered them abroad all over the face of the earth. This story of Babel, in which the peoples once united by a shared language are divided and confused. But then we get here, here to the book of Acts, to this stunning moment, to this incredible reversal of events. Nations once sworn to division and incoherence are now given the gift of understanding one another. The truth has descended upon them, opening their eyes to the ever-abundant bounty that never left them, propelling them forward into a life united in Christ. Bone by bone, breath by breath, New life is emerging. An energized and emboldened community of believers is being stitched together from the ashes of what has come before. First fruits are sprouting from that same soil once thought to house only dry bones and rubble. We all have gathered here today, either virtually or in person, to celebrate this feast of Pentecost, to mark this day in which the Spirit burst through walls in a fire and a fury that changed the course of our Christian heritage forever. And you know what? As exciting as this day is, it can be so tempting to fix our eyes on forward, to focus only on what is yet to come and leaving behind all that has come before to leave that upper room and go down to the party and enjoy that new wine. Out with the old, they say, and good riddance. The year we've had, who could blame us for wanting to speed on forward, watching it all disappear in the dust from the rearview mirror? But the truth is, to do so would neglect the great gift of what was offered there in Jerusalem that day. That was the gift of the advocate, 
who made herself known to all in the crowd that day and who continues to make herself known to us here today. The one who opens eyes and hearts and reveals a truth that had been with those disciples and with us all along. That this day is one worth celebrating because of all that has come before. Joy and sorrow. Hope and grief. It's a day worth celebrating because of it all, not in spite of it all. You've heard me compare a couple of times now the experience of composing this Pentecost sermon in contrast to last year. You may find yourself, like me, tempted to see this particular Pentecost Sunday as one set apart, one that greets us in a way that for so long now has felt so foreign and so stifled. I imagine many of you wouldn't be here today if that's not how you felt. You've heard me compare last year's grief to one this year that feels honest and truthful to celebrate as a new day dawns on the horizon. But this is the truth. The truth is that I can only know the fire of this Pentecost because I know what it was to sit in the quiet of that room, weary and confused, and occasionally, even as the party is still going, I know what it's like to sit there now. I only know the fire of this Pentecost because I am imbued with a memory like us all buried somewhere deep within our bones. A memory of the fires that came before and propelled believers long before us. I know the fire of this Pentecost because of the sparks that long ago ignited a nation to know without a shadow of a doubt that the Spirit was here and she was here to stay. I know the fire of this Pentecost because I remember the tears that were shed before the last because I remember the way that those tears watered the soil that would bear the fruits of a movement. One that for the first time in a long time inspired an apathetic nation to proclaim with unmistakable boldness that the lives of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and Trayvon Martin and Javier Rodriguez and all other black, brown, and indigenous people like them lives mattered, to proclaim that their lives mattered. Beloved siblings in Christ, make no mistake. We move forward with the fire of this Pentecost by knowing the bones and ashes from which we have been built. We experience the fruits of this harvest by remembering the once desolate, now fertile land from which those fruits were reaped. So, therefore, let us celebrate. Let us indeed keep the feast, feeling that fire beneath our feet, 
nourished in our bodies by that soil, emboldened by the Spirit who's been with us all along, on this day and always. Amen. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website, www.stthomasmedina.org. That's www.stthomasmedina.org.